Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Maryland Lines. I'm your host, Josh Coggins. Uh, you can follow me at uh, Coggins59 for all of my uh, opinions, if you so dare. Um, also follow the show's Twitter at Inside the MD, Inside MD Line. Um, follow the left bench and Facebook. Let me just get all this out of the way quick. Um, I hope everyone had a spectacularly spooky Halloween. It's another big sports weekend for Maryland. Uh, tomorrow, the Terps travel to Rutgers to play the Scarlet Knights in football. And then on Sunday, we have the Redskins and Ravens both playing. Um, Terps basketball season's just around the corner as well. The Capitals play two games uh, in the next couple days, one tomorrow and one on Monday. So I have a big show for you today, as always. I'll preview the Terps-Ruckers game, as well as the Ravens and Skins. I'll also be uh, playing a clip from a recent story I did about a Maryland field hockey player. So let's get the ball rolling. Uh, before we get into all of that, let me preview a project that I'm currently working on for a um, company called What the Sports. What the Sports is about bringing you uh, sports news in an interesting, uh, comical, and different view um, than other other uh, publications. Um, I write for them, some NFL, You've, if you follow me on Social media, you've probably seen some of that stuff. I also write for them when it comes to NHL. Um, I'm currently writing an article that gives a song that describes each NHL team's season thus far. I won't uh, run down the songs because I don't want to ruin them for you. If you do, if you are interested in reading uh, the article, um, but I do want to. I do want to explain my choice for the Washington Capitals. Uh, for the Capitals, I picked a song called um, a song called Baby Come Back. <laughs> Baby Come Back by Player. Um, I'm sure everyone's heard it. Baby Come Back. You can blame it all on me. I'm sure everyone's heard that song. But uh, pretty much picking this for the Capitals because of the fact they've lost, lost key free agents in the offseason. Uh, Carl Alsner, Kevin Shattenkirk, they lost um, Nate Schmidt in the expansion draft. Um, they traded away uh, Marcus Johansson. They lost uh, um, They lost a lot of key players from last year's team. Um, they still have a very good squad. They still have TJ Hoshi, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Burkowski, um, Tom Wilson. You know, they got defenders such as uh, Matt Niskanen and uh, John Carlson. But the depth, I'd say the third and fourth line offensively and the 
second-ish and third-ish line defensively are uh, there's a lack of experience depth there, um, especially defensively. Um, so they're definitely missing those players, especially the d- defensemen. Um, they've given up. They've given up uh, 44 goals in 13 games. Not, not particularly good. Um, so the defense is certainly hurting with that learning curve for for their young defensemen, such as Madison Bowie and uh, Christian Uas. Uh, these guys are young guys; are probably going to be really good players in the NHL, but. There's a steep learning curve from young or from lower levels of hockey to the big leagues uh, of the NHL. So it's going to take some time for them to get better. But the Capitals certainly miss guys like Carl Alsner, you know, Carl Alsner and uh, Kevin Shattenkirk back there manning the blue line. It's just a fact. Um, which is partly to blame for some of their early season struggles, of course. But uh, I digress. If you want to see the rest of that list, and I promise you do, it's a very interesting uh, playlist that I'm putting together, and, and, and it's going to be published here probably um, you know, early next week sometime probably because I'm still working on it. But um, stay tuned for that because it's going to be interesting read. I promise you that. Now on to the Terps. The Terps travel to Rutgers, as I mentioned earlier, to play the Scarlet Knights tomorrow in football. I believe they are traveling at the moment um, to New Jersey, but they, they do play Rutgers tomorrow. Uh, and and that is a 3.30 kickoff on Big Ten Network, in case you were wondering. Um. ESPN's giving the Terps a 53.9% chance at winning. Um, the Terps are 4-4, four and four, only year 2-3 and three in the conference, while the Rutgers Scarlet Knights are 3-5 and five on the year, with two of those wins coming in conference against Purdue and Illinois, back-to-back weeks. However, Rutgers lost <laughs> the last two weeks 56 to nothing. And twenty-seven to seventeen to Ohio State and Nebraska. Meanwhile, Maryland is coming in on a winning streak of one after beating Indiana last week, forty-two to thirty-nine. Um, so this game is the definition of a must-win for both teams. Maryland sitting at four and four. Uh, they only really—I mean—they need two wins to guarantee a bowl game. But with as many bowl games as there are. Um, a lot of five-win teams get there. Um, and Maryland's remaining schedule is Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. And as much as I want them to beat Penn State, it's going to be tough. So they need Maryland needs to win Rutgers to have a chance at a bowl. Because if they're not beating Michigan, Michigan State, they're not beating two of the following, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. They might be able to squeeze one win out of one of those three schools. Michigan playing a backup quarterback. Still a solid team under Jim Harbaugh. 
Michigan State's had somewhat of a bounce-back year, and of course Penn State uh, is one of the top teams in the nation right now. So um, Maryland needs this win versus Rutgers in order to get into that bowl bowl eligibility. Uh, like I said, six is six guarantees your team's going to play in a bowl. Five, you're in. You're probably going to get a bowl. Um, not guaranteed, but you probably will get a bowl with five wins because there's just so many bowl games nowadays that they need teams. So they take five-win teams. A, a lot of them do. So, you know, Maryland could get this. Maryland could still get the six this year. Hell, they could finish with four straight wins. Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, which would get them to eight wins. Not likely, but anything ha anything could happen. It's it's certainly not impossible. It's improbable for sure. Um, but if they win one of those games, Rutgers would be the easiest one in, in all likelihood. Uh, that gets them to five. And that probably gets them a bowl. Um, but six would all but guarantee a bowl. So... You look at the schedule, the next easiest game after this week to get to six. Let's say they get five, or they get their fifth win this weekend against Rutgers tomorrow. The next easiest game on this, you could it's a coin toss between Michigan and Michigan State. I only say that because Michigan's missing their starting quarterback who went down with an injury. Um, you know, Maryland beat Michigan State last year, but I think this year's Michigan State team's better um, so we'll have to see, but the the biggest the uh, the biggest step to getting that bowl eligibility is winning tomorrow in the game they should win against Rutgers. Uh, for Rutgers, it's a must win game because they're sitting at three wins this season. They need to get the five to have a chance at a bowl. Like I mentioned, five is you probably will get a bowl with five wins. So you need five to get there. They're at three. So if they beat Maryland tomorrow, that puts them at four. And then they got Indiana and Michigan State left on the schedule. Uh, Mar or, yeah, Maryland just beat Indiana, and I did mention Michigan State. Um, but they're mo neither of those teams are a cakewalk. Oh, and they also play Penn State. My 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 apologies. Next week, uh, Rutgers plays Penn State. The following week, Indiana, and for the last week of the season, they play Michigan State. So, you know. It's going to be tough for Rutgers to get six. They'd have to win three of their final four, and I just don't see it. It's going to be tough for them to get to five. They're going to have to win two of their final four. I just, you know. The easiest two on that schedule would probably be Maryland-Indiana. But it's going to be tough. It is going to be difficult for them to, to get there. But... Um, that's who they would play, and, you know, like I said, any given year, someone could get, you know, God forbid someone could get hurt, or some team could just get really, really hot, and finally stuff clicks. You never know. Um, so, that <laughs> it's a big football game. If you didn't think this game was big, uh, just by the names, you're mistaken. This game is a big time football game. Maryland is three point favorites over Rutgers. Um, 51 uh, is the over under number. Um, 
this game will probably be <laughs> close to that score or close to that points because Maryland puts up 30 points per game. Rutgers puts up uh, 21. So that gets you to 51 right there. But both these teams' um, defenses are, how do we say, uh, They are shaky. Um, both, you know, Maryland has some playmakers on defense, but as a whole, um, they're a little, little shaky. They give up 444 yards a game. That's uh that's a lot. That is a lot. Um, Rutgers gives up 400. They go 395, roughly 400 yards a game. Looking at the playmakers for both teams, it appears Maryland, despite their quarterback issues uh, with injuries, Maryland has an advantage when it comes to quarterback play. Matt Max Bordenschlager has thrown for 857 yards, nine touchdowns, and four interception, whereas Kyle Bolin for Rutgers has thrown for 711 yards. Uh, three touchdowns and six interceptions. So, advantage Maryland. When it comes to running the football, Ty Johnson has 97 carries for 662 yards and four touchdowns, whereas Gus Edwards for Rutgers has 119 carries for 521 and six. Uh, I'd say overall advantage goes to Maryland just because of the depth they have at running back. You know, you got guy uh, guys like uh, Lorenzo Harrison as the number two spells uh, Ty Johnson. It's a good one-two punch. And then you got uh, Jake Funk, who is a very, very good short yardage back. Um, when it comes to receiving advantage, by far and away, it goes to DJ Moore, who has 51 receptions for 754 yards and eight touchdowns. Rutgers' leading receiver has is Jerome Washington, and he has 21 receptions for a buck 96 and only one touchdown. So, I mean, <laughs> that's quite a bit of ways away from DJ Moore. Um, I think that three-point spread, or that three-point, uh, yeah, that three-point, three-point-five spread is, quite frankly, um, an insult to Maryland when you look at their offensive playmakers, but Rutgers has not, they have not won a lot of games. Obviously they've won three, but they don't roll over for you. This is um, a game Maryland can't overlook for sure. I mean, they got tough teams coming up starting next week with Michigan, but uh, they can't, they can't look at that yet. They got to, Worry about Rutgers first. They can't get um, too hype on Michigan yet because they gotta they gotta beat Rutgers first. They gotta play Rutgers and they gotta beat them first. So I I honestly um, think this could be a trap game for the Terps. Um, it's it's an away game. Um, you know against a team that they came in against. Uh, came into the Big Ten, ten with uh, and have played against every year. 
and they have Michigan on the horizons. Now, granted, Rutgers has Penn State next to, uh, next week, so they have a similar situation where they can't look overlook Maryland. Um, but I honestly think this game is going to be a Maryland win. And I, th- I don't think it's going to be a three point five. I don't think it's going to be a three point five spread. I think Maryland wins by uh, ten. Maryland wins by ten, and uh, gets that much needed fifth win of the season that puts them into the hunt for a bowl game. So uh, yeah, Terps by ten. Um, now I want to play you a clip from that interview I was talking about. I uh, had the f- I was fortunate enough to be able to interview a field hockey player on um, basically on her athletic background and how it's helped her overcome some problems, her and her family, how it's helped her overcome problems. Um, Yeah, it's uh, Sabrina Rhodes. She plays forward for the Terps. Um, In this piece, you will hear my lovely voice, obviously. You're going to hear a teammate of hers, Madison McGuire. Uh, She's the first one to speak, Madison McGuire, that is, is the first one to speak in the piece. Um, the next one to speak, the next female voice you'll hear in the piece is Sabrina Rhodes. And finally, the third female voice is head coach Missy Maharg. Um, so those are the three people you're going to hear. And, um, yeah, this story is about how, uh, Sabrina relies on her athleticism on and off the field. So that was, uh, my piece on Sabrina Rhodes. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Sabrina Rhodes plays forward for a top 10 ranked Maryland field hockey team. She's played in every game this season and has helped the Terps get into postseason position. She's great speed, great skill, awesome, great reach. (laughs) On the field, Sabrina has relied on incredible athleticism. Her dad played college basketball, while her mom played college basketball, softball, and field hockey. Her sister also plays field hockey at the University of Delaware. We're all very athletic and very competitive, so we don't really ever like, you know, quitting or giving up. But that's not all. My cousin's uh, from Puerto Rico, um, Javi, he played baseball. Javi is former Major League All-Star catcher Javi Lopez. It was pretty cool. Um, we would go to all his games and obviously got tickets to all the games, but it's just really awesome being related to someone who's just so athletic and it makes you want to be like better and do better in what you do. Unfortunately for Sabrina, some of her family was affected by Hurricane Maria. My um, grandparents and my uncle and four cousins were there uh, during the hurricane. We were really nervous at first because we couldn't contact them for like three to four days because all of the power went out. Her uncle's home in Ponce was damaged by the storm. Meanwhile, she has received a tremendous amount of support from her teammates. I know for Sabrina, it's about staying present, staying positive, and giving her all the support and love that she needs right now. Linnea Gonzalez, Sabrina's teammate and childhood friend, is also Puerto Rican. And we're going to be asking our team if they can donate some uh, food and water and something that we can ship over there. So that was uh, my piece on Sabrina Rhodes. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, She's really, really nice, uh, really nice person, and... Um, you know, she, her family's going through a rough time right now with all that devastation in Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, so 
it, Javi Lopez has some local ties, by the way. Uh, he played catcher for the Baltimore Orioles for two seasons. And he had, he had a really good season with the Orioles his first year in Baltimore. He hit... Let's see, where is it at? He hit 316 with 23 home runs. And actually, his second season wasn't terrible. He hit 278 with 15 home runs. So, um, he had a couple good years here in Baltimore. Um, of course, the bulk of his career was spent in Atlanta with the Braves, where he had some really, really good, um, really, really good uh, uh, seasons. And you know, Sabrina, her family's from the area, um, so they went to all his games, as she mentioned. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a cool story to do. I really enjoyed doing it, and uh, um, it's just, it's just you don't hear about stuff like that for non-revenue sports here at Maryland. Uh, you know, of course, you hear stories about players on the football or basketball team. Um, and the Big Ten Network did a really cool piece on Melvin Kime, a football player, how he went back to uh, Africa and saw his mom for the first time in a long time. I can't quite remember uh, how long, but you don't see these pieces done about field hockey. Um, so I had the for- I was fortunate enough to be able to do this story on Sabrina and uh, really got to know uh, more more about her heritage and and just Puerto Rico in general. Um, but I did want to play that because uh, I, th- I think it's important um, to tell those stories. It's important to tell everybody's story, of course. Everyone has a unique story. Um, but in particular with what's going on down there after the hurricane and, and, and um, all the devastation that, that uh, Puerto Rico is facing, it's cool to hear from someone that has ties. Um, so... You could check out, that's actually just the audio, obviously, from the video. You could check out the actual video. I have it up on my Vimeo page. Um, uh, I believe uh, the left bench is going to run it, so look out for that. But there's video that you can obviously um, see that I did that I shot with for that. That's just the audio of, this, of the piece, but if you're interested in seeing the video, stay tuned for that from the left bench, and I might even share just the raw video um, from Vimeo with uh, everybody on Facebook and, and, and the like. So be on the lookout for that if you're interest, if you're so interested in, in, in seeing that. Uh, but now on to some football. Um, yeah, sorry, Redskins fans, but uh, you guys, <laughs> rough Sunday last Sunday. Um, the Redskins lost to the Dallas Cowboys. By a score of 33 to 19. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was rough. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't have a terrible day at the office. I mean, he pit, he uh, he he pitched a, a 263 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Um, didn't have a lot of balance in the offense. I mean, Kirk Cousins threw it 39 times. They rushed it a total of. 15. So 39 passes to 15 rushes. Um, Robert Kelly rushed 8 for 19 in a touchdown. 
Receiving-wise, Jamison Crowder had a very, very good game. He caught the uh, nine footballs for 123 yards, no touchdowns. Josh Doxton, sorry, Josh Doc, Doxson caught uh, one ball for one touchdown and one yard. <laughs> it was a one-yard touchdown. Um, other than that, they had a couple. They had a couple field goals, but not much working, um, including a pick six uh, against. Elliott had two touchdown day. Mike Nugent kicked a bunch of field goals for the Cowboys, and of course the Cowboys had that pick six. So, um, very very poor performance for the Redskins. Redskins, looking back at my keys for them, get Terrell Pryor going. That was my number one key. Um. Let's look. Let's look at Terrell Pryor's stats from that game. Terrell Pryor had one target, no catches, no yards, no touchdowns, nothing. He was Kirk Cousins threw the ball to him one time, and either he dropped it or it was just an incomplete pass for some other reason. But so much for getting Terrell Pryor going. Am I right? One catch, or I mean, not even a catch, one target. Um, so they didn't do a good job with that. My key number two was limit Dak Prescott. They did a pretty good job at limiting Dak Prescott. Um, Prescott threw the ball for 143 yards and rushed it for 16. Not a great day at the office for Dak Prescott. Um, like I said, they were going to give up a lot to Elliott. Elliott rushed the ball 33 times for 150 yards. 33 times for a buck 50 and two touchdowns. Um, I kind of figured that, but I thought if they got Terrell Pryor going and they were able to limit Dak Prescott, they'd be in the game. However, they only were able to limit Dak Prescott. They didn't have a balanced offense, and they didn't get Terrell Pryor going. They didn't have a balanced offense because they ran the ball, what did I say, 15 times? Yeah, 15 times, and they threw it 40. 39, but... You know what I'm saying? Not a balanced offense. They did get. They were able to. Kirk Cousins was able to spread the ball out a little bit more, um, but not really. <laughs> Crowder had nine passes. Uh, he had nine receptions rather, and uh, Chris Thompson had eight. Chris Thompson is still the leader in rushing and in passing, or and in receiving for the Redskins. Not a very balanced offense. Terrell Pryor didn't get going. So that. They didn't. They executed one of their three keys, and it's and, and it's no wonder why they lost, thirty-three to nineteen, because they were only able to execute one of three keys. Um. So this weekend they have the Seattle Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks are seven-point favorites, and I think that should be more. I think the Seahawks should be ten to thirteen-point favorites. ESPN is only giving the Redskins a 23.7% chance at winning. So they're big underdogs. Um, looking at the injuries for the Redskins. Uh, Rob Kelly is questionable. Jamison Crowder is questionable. Trent Williams is doubtful. Spencer Long is doubtful. And Sean Laveo is, is out. So... Um, 
those are the injuries for them. As for uh, the Seahawks, Earl Thomas is doubtful. Cam Chancellor is questionable. Marcus Smith is questionable. Sheldon Richardson is questionable. And Jeremy Lane is questionable. So some big guys on the defensive side of the ball. Actually, all five of those guys are on the defensive side of the ball are um, questionable. But um, yeah, <laughs> the both quarterbacks are pretty similar. Uh, Kirk Cousins is uh, has thrown for 1,900 yards, 13 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Russell Wilson has thrown for 2,008 yards, 15 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Um, rushing the ball, both teams are pretty inept at rushing the ball. Chris Thompson leads the Redskins with 231 yards on 47 carries and two touchdowns. Uh, but Carson for the Seahawks has 49 carries for 208 yards, so pretty similar. Um, but when it comes to receiving, uh, Russell Wilson's spreading the ball out more to his playmakers. Doug Baldwin is number one, but he's getting the ball all over the field, including to Jimmy Graham. Kirk Cousins um, has thrown for a lot of yards, but Chris Thompson is his leading receiver. So, not necessarily utilizing all his weapons yet. Um, so, uh, you know, looking at the points per game, or I mean, yeah, well, uh, the Redskins have 22.9 points per game, whereas the Seahawks have 25 um, total yards. The Seahawks and Redskins are pretty similar. 376 for the Redskins, 384 per game for the Seahawks. Um, yards allowed defensively, pretty similar, 341.6 for the Redskins, 348.6 for the Seahawks. The Redskins are going to have to throw it. Um, to beat the Seahawks. Seahawks only gave up 117 yards on the ground a game. Uh, but they gave up 230 through the air. Um, and very similar for the Redskins. So this is going to be a, probably a high-scoring game that's powered by these quarterbacks. So on to my keys for the game. Number one, and maybe the most important, is stop Russell Wilson. The Seahawks have shown they, are not, they have not been able to run the ball effectively this season. Stop Russell Wilson. And it's interesting, actually, because my keys would be mirrored for the other other team, uh, or for the Seahawks. My keys for the Seahawks would be stop Kirk Cousins, um, play good defense, and, 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 and try to get the running game going. For the Redskins, it's very similar. So let me continue with the Redskins. Stop, stop Russell Wilson. He's playing, he's having a very, very good season. All right, 200... I'm sorry, 2,008 yards, 15 touchdowns, four interceptions. That's that's very, very good season for, for Russell Wilson. Um, <clears throat> number two for the Redskins, I said it last week. I'll continue to say it. Balance offense. Don't rely too heavily on the one guy, Chris Thompson. Um, you have other options at your disposal. You have Crowder, who had a, a, a phenomenal week last week. Uh, you have uh, you have Doxon. You can get the ball to um, Jordan Reed if he's healthy. Ver Vernon Davis um, and hopefully Terrell Pryor. So 
Although this week would not be a good week for Charles Pryor to get going because he's playing that um, top-of-the-line pass defense. Um, but yeah, just spread spread the ball. Distribute the ball to more than one person. Also, get try to get the run game going. It can be tough, but you got to be able to balance balance it out. You got to be able to do a little of both, and you got to be able to rely on more than one more than one player. Um, so number three, keep it low scoring. All right, Seattle is third in the league in points against. Third in the league, they give up. Uh, they have only given up 132 points so far this season. That's an average of 18.9 points per game. 18.9 points per game, which is good for seventh. Good for seventh in the league. 18.9 points per game, good for seventh in the league. And they've only given up the third most points at 132. Right? So, um, they're going to keep your offense low scoring. You got to keep their, their offense low. You got to keep their offense low scoring. Um, the Redskins, however, have shown to, sh- have been able, have not shown that they could do that. They've struggled this year. The Redskins are tied for, let's see, tied for 24th with Kansas City in points, uh, points given up this season. They have a, they've given up 180 points this season. Which is per game, it's 28th in the in the league per game. They've given up 25.7 points per game, good for 28th in the league. That is not good when you look at the teams below them: San Francisco, Indianapolis, Arizona, Houston. Houston has injury problems. Arizona probably should be better at playing than they are. But San Francisco and Indianapolis, they're they're in they're you know they're down. Within that range, not not good, not ideal. <laughs> um, so keep the game low scoring if you want a chance to win. Because Seattle's not giving up a lot of points, so you can't either. Um, you got to be able to. Uh, you got to be able to to kind of uh, limit their offense better than 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 you have in, have other offenses in the past, and that's going to be tough. Uh, but it can be done. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> good luck is all I can say, but, uh, no, keep it low scoring, balance the offense out a little bit more, and if you can keep it low scoring, that means you're probably being able to, you're probably stopping Russell Wilson at least half the time. Keep it low scoring, balance offense, stop Russell Wilson. Easier said than done, I know, but that's how, um, that's how they're going to win this game this weekend. Um, now on to the Ravens. Ravens uh, coming off that uh, mini break there of uh, 10 days where they played uh, Thursday night last week and, and they had that extra couple days to rest up and kind of uh, get going again. So um, they play the Tennessee Titans this weekend. Um Tennessee, you know, looking back at that that points per game, um, 
points per game list. Tennessee's 26th. They give up 24.7 points per game. They're 26th in the league. So you have a chance offensively to kind of exploit that, especially since the Ravens' defense is 5th in the league at points per game with 17.8. So the Ravens have a certain advantage defensively when it comes to um, how they're playing. Um, You know, they the Titans put up 22 points per game. Ravens put up 21. Um, Ravens are coming off that 40 nothing shutout victory over Miami. Um, Joe Flacco has been listed as questionable. He's been listed as questionable um, after saying that he. Uh, He's a go for uh, for this weekend, and I kind of trust that. I, I think um, him coming out and saying that he's ready to play is probably a clear indication that he's in all likelihood going to play. Um, but... Uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see as that as he's been listed as questionable. He's been listed as questionable. Um, uh, with twelve other Ra- or I'm sorry, with eleven other Ravens players, Nick Boyle, questionable. Joe Flacco, as I mentioned, questionable. Ryan Jensen, questionable. Macklin is questionable. Vincent Maley is questionable. Jimmy Smith, Michael Pierce, Ronnie Stanley, Michael Mike Wallace, Lardarius Webb, Mike. Um, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Terrence, or wait, Tim Williams and, uh, uh, yeah, Tim Williams are all listed as questionable. So, um, and then when you look at the out, the Ravens have already announced a couple players who are out, um, the players who are out for the Ravens are Terrence West, Michael Campanero and Chuck Clark. So the Ravens have already listed 15 people as questionable or out for Sunday's game. <laughs> um, not, not, not good. Not to mention all the players they already have on injured reserve, which we're not going to go into because that's just going to make me um, depressed. <laughs> um, for the Titans, tight end Delaney Walker is a game time decision. Um, so uh, the Ravens are traveling to Tennessee. It's a 1 o'clock game on CBS. Um, The Titans average 336 yards a game, whereas the Ravens average 295. Um, Here's here's the difference, though. Um, Listen to this just crazy crazy difference for the Titans. They give up 240 passing yards per game, but they only give up 100 rushing yards. So the Ravens are going to have to beat them through the air. Um, so you hope uh, you hope Joe Flacco's <laughs> you hope Joe Flacco's able to play along with Jeremy Macklin, Vince Maley, Nick Boyle. All their weapons you hope are there, other than the ones that have already been listed as out. So. 
as for the Titans, though, the Titans are probably going to have to run the ball to get anything done on the defense. Um, and they can do that. They have a two-headed monster down there in, in Tennessee with uh, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Both backs have played well in this this season. Um, well, I, let me let me rephrase that. Both backs have played well over their career. DeMarco Murray is having a little bit of a down season. Um, Derrick Henry has shown flashes this year of, of, of pure brilliance. But um, they have a two-headed monster. Um, you know, they, they're coming off an overtime win against Cleveland. Uh, that was the 12-9 victory. So not... Not... <laughs> not uh, and I guess they had a bye last week, so they're coming off. They had they had two weeks to think about that loss to Cleveland, because um, they had a bye week and then they had this week to prepare for the Ravens. So they've had two weeks to think about that. Not no, they didn't lose. My my apologies. They had two weeks to think to about that near loss to Cleveland, twelve to nine win in overtime. They had two weeks to think about how they almost lost to Cleveland, and how they're gonna strategize how they're gonna beat the Ravens. So. Uh, the Ravens don't want to go into their bye week next week with a loss. So this game uh, means a lot to both teams. Um, Ravens are listed right now as three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Tennessee Titans, and the over-under is a 43.5 game. I think that's probably spot-on with the 43.5. Um You know, both teams are having similar years as far as their playmakers are concerned. Um, but, you know, this game's going to be a tricky game for the Ravens. They have to go into a hostile crowd. Tennessee's a very, very uh, uh, passionate fan base. Um, and, and especially now, since Deshaun Watson, unfortunately, tore his ACL, Tennessee and Jacksonville are fighting for, probably fighting for that division. I don't think a Tom Savage-led Houston Texans is going to win that division. Um, it's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to come down to who's better between the Titans and Jaguars. And the Colts obviously aren't going to win it. You know, uh, Andrew Lux just was just placed on the injured reserve yesterday. So, um, it's going to come down to who who plays better. And quite frankly, I think um, Tennessee's got a better chance of winning this division than Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a defense, but their offense is what scares me. They rely too heavily on the running game. Um, Tennessee, I think, has got a better overall offense from quarterback to running back. You know, it's the depth at running back, I should say. And then they have playmakers on the outside. And they also have, in my opinion, a better tight end. So, I think long-term, the Tennessee Titans are a better team. But defenses can do wonderful things. Jacksonville, by far and away, has one of the best defenses in the league this year. Um, so, um, Tennessee's, you know, they're going to look to take control of this division, though. And, and Ravens have to be careful about that. Because, like I said, they need to win this game going into the bye. So they're um, above 500 going into the bye, number one. And number two, 
they gotta have hard games and down the down the second half of the season that if they don't win this one, which is uh you know, both teams are about even, I would say. But if they don't win this game, they're gonna have to probably beat. Well, they're probably gonna have to go undefeated in the AFC North the rest of the way. Because you look at the schedule, they have the Titans this week. They have a bye. Then they have the Packers, Texans, the Lions, Steelers, Browns, Colts, Bengals. Now, Packers, Texans, and Colts aren't looking as tough as they were coming into the season. You know, you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the season. You said, "Oh, geez, man, Packers with Aaron Rodgers, Colts with Andrew Luck, and you know, a couple weeks ago, Texans with Deshaun Watson." That's going to be tough win. That's going to be tough games for the Ravens. Now, obviously, unfortunately, those quarterbacks are all injured, so um, it, it's not going to be as difficult for the Ravens. But you still got the Lions, Steelers, Browns, and Bengals left on that schedule too. So none of those teams, are, you know, Browns, but you know, the Browns could be pushing for a win there and, and shock the world. But Lions, Steelers, and Bengals aren't going to roll over for you. Um, so it, it, it it's this game's important, especially if they have aspirations for the playoffs. Both for both teams, this game's important. Um, yeah. So my keys to the victory for the Ravens: keep Joe Flacco upright. You know, don't let him get hit. Essentially, um, when you look at sacks per game. Or I mean, not sacks per game. Sacks total. Um, um, I mean, Tennessee's in thirty-first with eleven, but like Joe Flacco's coming off a game where he got hit hard, and. and I don't want to go into the whole Kiko Alonso situation again because I spent way too much time on it last last uh, last week. But Kiko Alonso didn't get suspended for it, even though I think he should have. Um, but I'm not gonna. You know, I, I just said I'm not gonna get into that. Kiko Alonso didn't get suspended, and Dominic Sue didn't get suspended for choking Ryan Mallett. I'm sure they got hefty fines. Um, and and uh, uh, you know, I don't know. They're they're, they're not gonna come out and say that but Matt Matthew Judon just got fined by the NFL for an unnecessary roughness in that game it just got announced didn't say how much I don't I don't think but that just got announced but he's coming off that he's gonna have a little bit of the uh you know worries he's gonna have a little bit of worries until he gets hit the first time but don't let him get hit too often you know that's got to be a key keep him upright so he can make decisions and he looked like he was having he was having a great game up until the point where he got knocked out. He's having a phenomenal game. Probably, If he would have been able to finish that game, it probably would have been his best game of the year. At the rate he was going. Um, so, keep him upright. Let him make wise decisions. And that's the second part of it. Offense needs to be turned on. That's my second key. They can't be committing dumb penalties. They can't be turning the football over. Um, you know, they can't, they got to be able to utilize their weapons. Joe Flacco's got to make smart decisions. He's got to get the ball downfield to his weapons. 
when it comes to running the ball, Alex Collins, keep doing your thing, man. Uh, get you know, keep running, do that Irish step dancing, um, whatever. But get the offense to turn on. It looked like it was, it, it went that way last week. It looked like it was going that way. So keep it up, or not? Yeah, yeah, last week. So so keep it up, you know. Keep playing at that level. And then for my third key to the game. Stop the two-headed monster. The Titans have a two-headed monster back there, like I mentioned. Or they have the potential for the two-headed monster. They have DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Stop them. Don't let them run all over your defense, right? So, um, you know, uh, the Ravens' rush defense has got to step up. And they did a good job last week against Jay Ajayi who's a very good running back. He's struggling a little bit this year, but he's a, he's a very good running back. So you got two guys that could potentially be starting on other teams in Tennessee right now. Stop them, all right? You know, it, it, it's it's if they can stop those two guys and the offense can play um, better than it has this season at times, the Ravens have a real chance at, at, at not only winning this game, but, but uh, uh, you know, um, putting up another another crooked number. I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a closer game, but they definitely have a chance to to win it for sure. And I and I <laughs> I hate picking against the Ravens, so I'm not going to do it. But um, I think the Ravens win. Um, I think it's going to be a score of something like oh I don't know, um, twenty seven twenty four. I think they win on a last second field goal by. Uh, you know, their best offensive weapon, Justin Tucker. Um, you know, so so we'll see. But that's my keys to the game for that. That's my prediction. Um, so, yeah, we're coming down to the end of the show. Uh, you know, like I mentioned before, be sure to um, follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook. Follow the left bench on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, what the sports, like I mentioned, a lot of good creative content coming out from a lot of good good art, uh, good writers, good uh, podcasts on, on what the sports. So um, give both the what the sports and uh, the left bench some love on social media. Um, but that'll do it for me today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy this nice, beautiful weather out uh, while you still can. Enjoy this weekend's slate of, uh, slate of sports. And uh, be sure to tune in, tune back in next week.